Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I want to see an honest press. When I started off today by saying that it's so important to the public to get an honest press. The press, the public doesn't believe you people anymore. Now, maybe I had something to do with that. I don't know. Sarri is president of the United States uh, from his news conference on uh, Thursday. And there is also, it's just been released, is the Trump-Pence Make uh, America Great Again Committee 2016 Uh, That's their logo from 2016. And then there is the Mainstream Media Accountability Survey, which has just been released on Twitter. And uh, it's perfect timing because uh, Lisa, who does a marvelous job piloting the 747 while we're on the air, just was kind enough to bring in the, uh, the questions from the Mainstream Media Accountability Survey. And before I spring them on the beauties, let me say hello to... The most powerful woman in Canada, Catherine Swift at WorkingCanadians.ca. How's the dog? Hi, going Hi. well. How's the pooch? Pooch is hopefully under control. She's getting incrementally better. I'm doing serious training. This afternoon, I also have my granddaughter, so <laughs> <laughs> there could be all manner of noises coming. All right. Anyway, I hope not. My my son and his friend are looking after her right now, so. <laughs> Ritalin for both of them. Yeah, we're drugging everybody. What can I say? <laughs> Michelle Simpson, at Michelle Simpson on Twitter, former Liberal Member of Parliament, Scarborough West, and former seatmate to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And I find myself, Michelle, periodically have to, having to explain what seatmate to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau means. Well, it, it's like an old school house, and we shared a desk. He wore the short pants, and... Uh, <laughs> People, just watch question period once, and you'll understand. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Those funny little seats they have in the House of Commons. Oh, I know. They're just like the old-fashioned desks. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Now, how does it it feel? How do people react the first day they walk in, and they, they actually sit in those desks? Is there a sense of overwhelming importance? Is it intimidating? I guess different people would re- respond differently to the first time they actually go to their go to your desk. Well, in my case, there was a, a certain degree of awe. You know, like this is the office. Like I just arrived at the office right. for my first day. Then when I checked to see who my seatmate was, it was like, oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted... To soak it in and keep a low profile. <laughs> well, I, you know, instead of, and I thought every eye in the gallery will be on the lookout for uh, Justin, and I'm sitting right beside him. So, so, and how did that work out on the first day? Well, that was that was kind of intimidating until I got to know him better. Right. You know, it was. Uh, an intimidating place to be. But no, I, for me, there was a sense of awe and a sense of being able to do something 
that very few Canadians would ever experience. Did Was there a sense from, I know I'm drifting off what we said we'd talk about, but was there a sense right away from Justin Trudeau that he had his eyes on the bigger prize? Mike Lignacev was the leader of the party at the time, but Justin Trudeau clearly was the uh, the Dauphin in the wings. Not not initially, because we just uh, had a leader we're off a leadership where we had elected Stephen Dion. That, how did that work out for you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did that work out for you? And then we were back into it with you know a tussle between Bob Ray, Michael Ignatieff, you know, and uh, my sense wasn't, but once Michael went down, then you could see it emerge. They saw him as the white knight. Yeah. Well, and here we are today with um, with Mr. Trudeau as the prime minister and the foil for this program. Well, I mean, if if he if he leaves, I'll have to start working for a living. <laughs> hey, did you guys know, uh, guys? Did you guys know about the uh, mainstream media accountability survey by the Trump Pence team? No, actually, I didn't. No, I didn't no. hear about it. I just found about found out about it about an hour ago, and it was on uh, it was on Twitter, and uh, Lisa pointed out printed out some of the all of the questions. There's 25 of them. And uh, if you want to check it out, it's gop.com slash mainstream. Oh, God, it goes on forever. Hyphen media. Just go to gop.com. Just Google it. You can find it, it, I'm sure. Yeah. No, you don't know that. Don't send people on a wild goose chase. Then they'll get after me. (laughs) They'll get after me. (laughs) So here's question number 10. Do you believe that the media unfairly reported on President Trump's executive order temporarily restricting people entering our country from nations compromised by radical Islamic terrorism? Yes, no, no opinion, other, please specify. That's number 10. I just chose it at random. Do you believe that political correctness has created biased news coverage on both legal and illegal immigration and radical Islamic terrorism? Yes, no, no opinion. Other, please specify. Uh, do you believe that the media wrongly attributes gun violence to Second Amendment rights? Let's see what else we got here. Um, do you believe that contrary to what the media says, raising taxes does not create jobs? I, Lisa said to me, I don't know what that means, and neither do I. Uh, do you think the media have been too far too quick to spread false stories about our movement uh, yes, no, no opinion, other, please specify. I find that interesting about our movement. It is, isn't it? It really is a movement. Yeah. It really is. It's not, it's not the same old, same old. And so what do you make of that? Are you guys going to jump on it? Well, a couple of those questions. As somebody who used to write surveys all the time and be very careful about them being biased, a couple of those were leading questions, just to be, you you know, to be fair about it. But but I'd but I'd still be interested in seeing the results because again in my long period as head of you know Canadian Federation of Independent Business and dealt with the media very very regularly for you know every day usually several times um, there's no question that and not all again you can't paint everybody with the same brush but boy there were lots that had their point of view and if you didn't back it up. You wouldn't be quoted in the article, which frankly was fine with me because <laughs> I didn't really care that much. But, but you know, it was clear. It, so so often it was clear that they were fishing for something they wanted you to say, and if you didn't say it, well, have a nice day. And that 
that, that's really unfortunate because we depend so much on the media. And it, unfortunately, a lot of it is not reliable. No, it isn't, particularly what now. What does the company expect, accept it, of course, Roy? <laughs> well, thank you. But particularly now, in the U.S. media, the mainstream media, has this hate on for Donald Trump. But they're yeah. not able to see straight, think straight, or hear straight, or sh- smell anything anymore. And it's like the New York Times had that, that, that headline story that they blasted and trumpeted, no pun intended, and other media jumped all over it. And the story was that the, the Trump campaign had been in communication or with, uh, with Russian intel agencies during the election. On and on it went about seven paragraphs down. It, it, the same story read, of course, none of this can be corroborated. So yeah. what the heck are That's you writing like the, the story print, for then? Right? That's right. If you can't corroborate it, it's not a story. It's a hit piece. They're just, they're just playing into Trump's hands. They are. Because he, he is not believable anymore in a lot of people's minds. Well, did you know so this, he, Michelle? Did you, did you know this? We, we spoke with, um, with uh, Fran Coombs, the managing editor of Rasmussen Reports, who was terrific to us and spent so much time during the election campaign and the primaries. With us, Rasmussen just polled last week, and they have 45% of Americans saying that they have faith and confidence in the future of the United States. Last year at this time, it was 30%. That was when Obama was in office. And that 45% that Donald Trump got, Barack Obama did not reach that 45% number in any week in his eight years in office. Wow. How about that? Because he really hasn't, he hasn't produced anything. He's made a lot of statements signed executive orders, he said day one, day one, they would start construction on that wall. Well, that's gone by the wayside. And he said, I've kept every promise. Well, no, he really hasn't. He really and truly hasn't. He's done a lot of things that aren't reported. I was mentioning earlier, I don't want to be his, I'm not the spokesman, I'm not the new Sean Spicer. Um, No. I don't want to be, I don't want to be on Saturday Night Live. Thank goodness. Huh? Could you see me up there? (laughs) <laughs> Actually, I could. Be fun. Oh, yeah, it would be. Oh, yeah, it would be. So, but, uh, but, what did I say? What was I talking about? Oh, God, I hate it when that You're happens. not the, it's a spicer. No, no, before that. Oh, God, this is terrible. Anyway, carry on. It's come and it's gone. It had its moment and I didn't get it out in time. Yeah. So you're, no, on, I, you're I, on the hot seat now. I just think, I think that, um... <laughs> He, he really hasn't. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. I know what, but let yep. me tell you quick before there I forget. So, thank you very much. There was a, it wasn't reported on, but as the media was just dissecting the news conference uh, and they were going bonkers over it, I switched to another channel. I forget which one it was. I don't think it has call letters. And there was, uh, there were a group of West Virginia miners in their blue coveralls with their helmets on and their, their lights and uh, standing beside them was West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, and someone else was there. And Trump had just signed the paper, the president just signed the papers to reactivate the, um, the, the coal, you know, the mining. And these miners walked over and they hugged him and they thanked him. And Joe Manchin, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, said, God bless you, Mr. President. And as they were about to leave, Trump said, president said, no, 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 hold on, guys. You're not leaving that fast. I want each of you to the miners to come to the Oval Office. We're going to take pictures together. And I thought that's the kind of move that his media opponents will never show. And that's the kind of move that people expect and, 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 and would say, that's the Donald Trump I voted for. 
Well, I did see on Twitter. I saw your tweet on that earlier today, Roy. Um, there was also the, uh, something on Twitter I saw today of him on the White House lawn with a couple of his grandchildren. And people were marveling that that was even reported because <laughs> it was a very, you know, nice picture, yeah, you know, yeah. Trump with his grandchildren walking across the lawn, holding hands, et cetera, et cetera. Don't you get the feeling, though, Michelle, you would know about the frustration that's involved in when you have antagonistic relationships between media and government. At some point, I mean, they've just started out. They've got four years to coexist. At some point, doesn't there have to be a truce because you're all still Americans and you're still working for the benefit of the United States? I know when you're a reporter, you have a different responsibility than president, but they can't be at each other's throats for four consecutive years. Oh, no. You know what? It, it, after a month, it has become so tiresome, but it's not unlike, uh, but it's not quite as bad as uh, Harper. He was found the press in Canada very suspect. Yeah, I was and, actually going to mention that example because yeah, uh, the animosity so stayed at a pretty high level with Harper, uh, at least. He wasn't in my at the, uh, He wasn't at war per se, but he shut them out. And that didn't always work out so well for Well, in my view, that was I one agree. of his biggest mistakes. Because yeah. the media will always have the last word, whether you like it yeah. or not. And frankly, there's a way to handle the media, even if the vast majority of them, and there's no question, the majority of media lean left. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And one of my bugbears back, and I've said it before on your show, Roy, is that once, they, once all these newsrooms, and not all of them are union, but most of them are, Suddenly, there's a bias. And I've had reporters tell me that off the record, of course. They've said, no, our, our reporting has definitely changed since we've become unionized. And that's a, that's a crying shame, because no, no group, no matter who they are, should have that influence on what is supposed to be a free press. Yeah. Let me take, exactly. a, quick, let me take a quick break. Here's question number 24 from the survey, from the media survey. The Mainstream Media Accountability Service survey, Trump, Spence, question number 24. Do you agree with President Trump's media strategy to cut through the media's noise and deliver our message straight to the people? Big stories and even bigger guests. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. WorkingCanadians.ca for Catherine Swift at Michelle Simpson for Michelle and Linda Leatherdale is AWL for second consecutive week. Beauties M103, the Islamophobia motion by Ikra Khalid, the liberal member of parliament for the Mississauga area. Uh, we talked about it earlier today. I'd like your thoughts and, and your impressions of M103, whether it's necessary, what it signifies to you. And uh, or whether it's just, well, something that shouldn't be uh, pursued in the way that the motion wants it pursued and the Liberal Party apparently wants it pursued. Catherine? Well, my wager would be that if there wasn't a conservative leadership contest going on right now, we wouldn't even hear about this. Uh, this is, to my mind, and I'm a cynic and I've been observing this political game in Canada for many, many decades, as you know, uh, I think the Liberals have played it in a very cynical way to um, put the cat among the pigeons with respect to the Conservative leadership contest. 
And of course, with social media, this would never be the same without social media, without everybody going ape one way or the other on social media. Whether we need it, no, we don't need it. We have all kinds of hate speech laws that apply to everyone, as they well should. Um, and there was actually an Islam-related motion passed last fall in the House of Commons. But the timing of this, to me, is just too cute by half. It's, it's all about, uh, you know, setting, setting up the Conservatives to, to um, have to take a position on an issue which is, you know, an ugly issue. It can be potentially an ugly issue. And, um, and frankly, I think the Conservatives should have handled it better, to be honest with you. They should have. They, they're, yeah. they're responsibly, the counter motion that they suggested was just a terrible exercise, political exercise that turned into a useless and inedible pretzel. But if you didn't have all these, sorry, but if you didn't have all these uh, people vying for the leadership right now, and and so and in any party, they'll be catering to you know. And, and again, we see the insanity on Twitter and other social media. If that wasn't going on right now, this would be a whole different ballgame. Michelle, I couldn't agree with Catherine more. Uh, typically, a motion like this would come from the opposition. It wouldn't come from the government. Motions are not binding on any government, so it's uh, a lot of sizzle, no stake. And again, the the basement of uh, the uh, Hill, the House of Commons, is absolutely full of motions that have just gone to die. David Nitkin. You have... Liberal, when I, there was a Liberal member of Parliament, I can't remember his name, it was the male yesterday who apparently came out and blamed that horrible uh, killing in the, killings in the mosque in Quebec on the, um, on the Conservatives and the Bloc Québécois in, uh, in Quebec. Come on. Yeah. That's, oh. that's insane. That is insane. Insane. It is. It's what that is. But, but that's what's going on in the House of Commons. Well, and it's no accident that it's, it's Muslim liberal members of parliament that are the ones that are being put out as the you know as the the people that are speaking well tomorrow i'm going to be speaking with dave professor david nitkin and Tariq khan co-chairs of the muslim jewish dialogue that'll be interesting in toronto and uh they write like all religious groups muslims are already protected under our charter of rights and freedoms and criminal law they do not need a separate law, which is supported by groups that have close ties to the Muslim Brotherhood and, in essence, are trying to put in place a form of Sharia blasphemy law. That's their point of view, and we're going to talk to them in hour two tomorrow. And we're just about out of time, and the dog's been quiet. Yeah, well, that's because oh. I got a couple of young men here that are uh, amusing both the baby and the dog. Bow wow. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> They're good guys. They're good guys, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Michelle. We'll talk next uh, Saturday, and we'll have Linda back with us, I good. believe. Good. Looking forward to it. Have a great week, beauties. You too.